What is up, Husker Half Hour listeners? Welcome back. We missed you guys. It's been a hot second since we recorded last. It's me, Ben Herbel, alongside my brother Elijah. And on today's show, we talk about the bye week. Did the Huskers need it? Did the fans need it? Maybe everybody needed it. Uh, we also talked the Minnesota game briefly. It seems like a long time ago, but we got to touch on it a little bit. And then finally, we finish up the show by talking about red shirt strategy for the rest of the season. Oh, also, should probably mention... The Husker Half Hour is now on Twitter. We're relevant. We're on the social medias. So go check us out at Husker Half Hour. Make sure to follow us for updates on the show, updates on the Huskers, game commentary, relevant memes. It's all you could want in a Husker Twitter. Go give us a follow. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Let's do this thing. Dude, what's up? <laughs> you hit your chest, make footsteps. Those are my footsteps. <laughs> hey, was it? Did it sound realistic? Somewhat, actually. Cool. Uh, hey, hey. Can, we were lost for a little while. Mm-hmm. We were on a bye week. <laughs> the team was lost too. Yeah. <laughs> People were wondering where's Husker Half Hour at? Where's the posts? Mm-hmm. I've only seen Big Red Copcast. Oh no, no, no. Or the Scarlet Cop- and Cream podcast. Car- we're, both- we're, we're really in a large market. <laughs> oversaturated. Larger than I thought. Completely oversaturated. Here's not even oversaturated, but not not a well oversaturated. It's like going to the liquor store looking for a nice beer and then only finding like oversaturated light beers. And Bartons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not the best quality across the board, but Husker fans will eat up all that crap. They just haven't found <laughs> Including our crap. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, hey, it's we're been back a while. from a bye week. It's been a while, everybody. Hey, how you doing, listeners? What you guys been up to the last week? Hey, well, I'm just kind of interested. I'm not a listener. Um, I just am on the show. Um, but I think it's funny that the Huskers essentially have two straight bye weeks because they they went up to Minnesota and didn't play, uh-huh. and then they get to go <laughs> come back to Lincoln and not play for another week. Yeah, that must be real nice for all of them, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Remember, that was a good feeling. Just to have two bye weeks like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, Elijah, that's a good point. We we should probably touch base on the on the Minnesota game. But first, here's a thought. Did the Husker fan base need a bye week as much as the Husker football team needed a bye week? And as much as the Husker half hour needed a, a bye week. week. <laughs> yeah, RIP. Husker half hour needed a bit of a break. Uh, Elijah had midterms. Kicked his butt a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was probably good that we didn't record for your sake. <laughs> yeah, the, we just had the most the weirdest podcast listening experiences. I'm slowly going crazy recording a podcast. <laughs> uh, did you pass all your classes? All, all the all the it's midterms? <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> did you pass all of your 
all of your tests and quizzes and things? I think so. I, as of right now, all the grades have been entered as an A, but not all the grades are entered like completely. Uh, but uh, everyone that has been entered has been an A so far. Hey, nice. Good work, dude. Yeah. I haven't checked yet the, for the past two days because I don't want to know. So thanks for being patient, everybody, because uh, Elijah needed it. So let's be honest. I needed you needed it. it. Too. <laughs> I needed a bit of a break. It was getting a little tiring to be editing all the time. But did the Husker fan base need a break? Yeah. And I think so because this week the – just the whole talk on Twitter and the talk on social media, even the talk in the media, it's it's calmed down. And especially in those three days after the uh, the Minnesota game, it's just so much overreaction on Twitter, so much overreaction on Facebook, uh, react, overreaction in the media. Uh, there was even Scott Frost press conference last week, and there, was, there seemed to be overreaction in that. So I think it's good that Nebraska got a week to decompress. We got to go mm-hmm. watch some other college football games this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um some of us got to watch our favorite team get stomped by the Chiefs on Thursday night. Yep, RIP. RIP. Ouch. Uh, it's kind of like what the players were saying after the game and in some press conferences, saying it seems like the team needs a break. Uh, the coaching staff said take take a couple days off from football. Um, some pretty – I mean, well, who was it? Like Austin Allen went hunting. Mm-hmm. A couple people went home. Uh, people took a break from football. And I think – I did that for sure this weekend. Took a little break from football. and It was weird. Yesterday was one of the only days. Um, not yesterday, excuse me. Uh, Sunday, where I didn't even watch any NFL. Saturday, I only watched uh, Wisconsin lose, which was cool. Um, but uh, I guess I watched uh, the uh, the Oregon game as well. But I, I really just didn't. Wasn't all that invested in football. I kind of kind of enjoyed this weekend as opposed to just kind of being stressed out all the time. It's like, kind oh. of refreshing, yeah. Yeah. Especially, and I'm sure the team appreciated that with midterms and stuff too. I bet that was really good for them. Mm-hmm. As, and they even had fall break this weekend, which is really good timing for them. They don't get to take it, but you still get to enjoy a couple of days where you don't have to worry be balancing about school class. and football. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you'd hope that the, the team would have a good performance, and I hope that the fans – or have a better performance this weekend, especially if things don't necessarily go the best for the Huskers. Yeah, come back with a little more energy, maybe realize that we miss it a little more than we think. And um, especially with the events of the weekend, we'll get into that in the next episode. But just next episode. Mother, mother. Husker half hour. So, yeah, well, with the events of the weekend, maybe looking at Illinois and Wisconsin and how that game shook out, maybe we come into this weekend with a little more hope for salvaging the rest of our season. But that's up for debate. We'll talk about it in the next episode. Stay tuned. Um, but I wanted to take a moment, speaking of which, to thank all the listeners while we've been at work talking about you guys. Yeah. Dubbin's my boss here. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Go listeners. Uh, thanks for being with us. All right. All right, live audience. That's enough. You can stop the clapping. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> We're talking. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. So now, no, seriously, stop. Okay, I'm looking at you. Thank you. So, uh, thank you, listeners. We're halfway through the season. Thanks for sticking with us for halfway, or maybe this is your first episode. Uh, maybe you've listened to every single episode. Maybe you haven't listened to a single episode, and you're not even listening to this episode, but you're still subscribed. We, thank you. We are thinking of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, thanks for sticking with us, and as we've learned and and grown in podcasting we've had a lot of fun uh just as brothers doing this and uh we hope you've had fun listening and hopefully we can give you a little bit different of a take than than you're getting in other podcasts or radio or videos um so yeah we're appreciative of you so thanks for being here with us yeah Uh, but we do want to dive right into what you guys obviously want to hear a little bit of and that's we want to talk about the minnesota game and what it kind of means for our season as a whole so let's jump right into that and i think a, a very important quote uh, was from Scott Frost, 
which he said directly after the Minnesota game. And he said he wanted to get in and look at the film and watch that before he really analyzed the game all that much with the media because he said it's never as good as you think and it's never as bad as you think. And I think that's something that can really be applied here for fans as they went back and watched the Minnesota game, whereas we get ready for Indiana. Uh, and we kind of look at the season as a whole. So it's never as good as you think, and it's never as bad as you think. That's a good point. Maybe we could expand that quote out from just the Minnesota game, but maybe the season altogether going into the season, team probably wasn't as good as we thought they were. Um, but then also some of those close games, tough losses, probably not as bad as we think they are either. So I, I think that quote, I think we could apply that to our lives. That was that was some deep, I don't know what Scott pulled that from. Maybe it's a Scott Frost original quote. If so, that's going to be on a board one day. Well, he, he said it multiple times before. Mm. I think that's kind of his his defining quote when things go poorly. So he'll say, ah, if things were going well, they wouldn't even be going that well. But things are going badly. But it's not as bad as y'all think. Yeah. Which, eh. Um, I, I want to believe him. And I think as I went back and watched uh, some the, the game against Minnesota again, um, the condensed version, I, I think I, I would tend to agree. Is it's never as bad as you think, but it's still bad. Mm. Do you think he's being realistic with that quote? I've heard a couple comments of people saying that, quoting that or quoting this team through the season is he is unrealistic with uh, how he's assessing the team and where we're at right now. Do you agree with those comments? I think he's kind of given a, a really impossible task. Whenever you look at when you have to keep recruiting, you have to keep guys around. Um, you're, I mean, you're, you're kind of given a progress report for your AD whenever you talk to the media. Um, even opponents, you, you can't go into a press conference and say, well, um, this year's a lost year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're already focused on next year. No, I mean, even like in preseason big 10 media day, it felt like <clears throat> he wasn't necessarily trying to temper the hype, but he was really trying to keep, I think everyone's hype in check because he wanted to make sure that people knew that this is not a finished product yet. And despite the struggles that we've seen, I don't think this was entirely unexpected for Scott. Uh, I think obviously some of the score lines and some of the ways that the team hasn't fought like they, like you expect a Nebraska team to has been a little surprising to him. But I think the struggles that we're seeing on offense, uh, even the occasional struggles on defense, I don't think it was anything surprising to Scott based on what he said in the preseason. Because you have to be able to keep your thoughts and your quotes positive for potential recruits. If you as a coach come into a press conference and say, yeah, we're really bad this year. Um, there's there's no no two ways around it. We're we're bad. We look we look bad in the weight Bit room. Bit of a buffer year. Yeah. We, we got bad guys, but you know, we'll turn around next year. Whenever, whenever you see the guys in the program, they're juniors and they go, uh, that's a bad quote or the the freshmen uh or sorry the, the high school seniors who are looking for a place to go and they hear that and they go, Ugh. Um this guy gives up on his teams. Yeah, so you, you obviously can't say things like that. So you have to keep that in mind that Scott obviously can't go to the media and be 100% truthful with everything he says. He has mm. to give it a spin. Everything he's saying impacts recruiting. It impacts your current performance of your team. So mm. not necessarily. Uh, hmm. But I don't. Hmm. Obviously, we're not hearing what, what that extensive talk in the locker room was after the game. Mm-hmm. We don't have any um, big sound bites besides that one. And, um, and we're, the only way you, you know what Scott's really thinking I guess is if you're Scott, maybe if you're on the coaching staff and then on the team, I guess you're still hearing somewhat of a controlled message of what he wants to tell the team. You're not hearing necessarily all of his true thoughts, Um, but we're definitely not hearing the entirety of what he's saying in those meetings in the press conference. I don't know. I, I think, I think that is if, if anything, that's something Scott's telling himself and he believes it. 
I don't know. I don't think he's like BSing anybody. I, no, I don't think. It, it, I don't it, think anything he said it, has made me feel like he's given up on this, but he doesn't want to admit it. You yeah, know, I, I don't think anything he goes and says in a press conference is an outright lie. Yeah, by any means. I think he's very careful with how he says things. the words. Um, I know one of the questions he got during Big Ten media days was, "Are you expecting improved defense this year?" And he said, "Oh, I've seen defensive linemen in the weight room putting up 700 pounds on a squat a couple times. I'm expecting a much stronger defense yet." And then you you you, you really look at you and go, "Okay, he's saying his defense has has seen a lot of improvements in the weight room, especially up front on the D line." But he never explicitly came out and said, "Yeah, I expect our defense to be really shutting down all our Big Ten opponents this year." He said that they could compete physically. Yeah. Which I think is a really good buffer now into the Minnesota game because that yeah. felt like a game, especially a lot of fans afterwards saying that was a game that Minnesota was – they outmuscled us, they were more physical than us, and Nebraska didn't want it. What, what do you – as someone who watched that game, I've gone through and watched it a couple times, yeah. um, and I, I have an opinion, but I want to get your mm-hmm. opinion first. What do you think about that sentiment? Uh, I felt as though the team ratcheted up its intensity through the game slowly until the fourth quarter and then suddenly we got super physical so i don't know i I honestly didn't really pay attention to how many of minnesota's second strings were were getting put in on on defense in that fourth quarter and on offense but it really felt like our physicality went up in the fourth quarter and i just thought to myself where has this been the entire game i think uh we got worked on the on the line both lines of scrimmage um specifically the offensive line um, but also minnesota ran all over us that's that's where people when they talk about the physicality of this game, Nebraska lacking in physicality and intensity, they're probably talking about the lines, both mm-hmm. lines of scrimmage. Um and I didn't really see intensity there until the fourth quarter, and by that point it was far too late. So I wish Nebraska would have been able to come out in the first half and pop them pretty good. Uh and again at the beginning of the second half. It always takes Nebraska a little bit of time to ramp up that intensity. That's an issue we've had all season long, but I really felt like it was really pronounced in this game where Minnesota came out ready to play fast and physical right away. In terms of physicality, I think that the stats look worse than the game film. Mm-hmm. Which obviously the stats in the game film kind of go hand in hand. Um but I think when you take them completely separately, Minnesota ran for three, 322 yards on that Nebraska defense, and that's something that is never acceptable for Nebraska defense. I think any time a team rushes for more than 100 yards in Nebraska defense, it's not necessarily a failure, but it's something you got to look at and be like, we need to do better. You, you want to keep every team that we play below 100 yards rushing, and Minnesota got 322 yards of offense on us. Um, they only had to throw the ball for 128 yards. Any game like that's going to be tough for us to win. So I think you can look at that and go, well, you're obviously just getting beaten up front. But you go watch the film, and it, it was small things. And that's what Scott said in the press conference. And as you go watch it, it was small little things that got us beat. That was a lineman getting double teamed back into a linebacker, and then the linebacker uh, not taking on with his right shoulder whenever mm-hmm. he's going in and, and filling a, or taking on a, an offensive lineman. And it opens up a hole just huge. And it looks, other- looks really bad. Maybe a simple fix or mm-hmm. maybe if, it- if that player would be a little more instinctual, uh, to be able to, to figure that out. And it's another thing like a linebacker reading a play just a little bit slowly and or a little too slowly. And yeah. he gets stuck behind his own D lineman who has gotten blown off the ball mm-hmm. where, yeah, the, the lineman getting blown off the ball is obviously an issue, mm-hmm. but it gets compounded by the fact that your linebacker has now been stuck behind your defensive lineman because he hasn't read the play on time. Mm. Uh, little things like that. It's a safety, not coming down and filling. It, it's, Small differences. I don't think the big problem was Minnesota coming up and being more physical than Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather, maybe a bit of athleticism 
no, inside it, of Minnesota or the natural instinct to be able to, I mean, a lack of natural instinct on Nebraska to be able to do those things or a lack of fundamentals. The, the key word you heard a lot was run fits. And I'm not sure if a lot of casual viewers know what that means. That means every single person on that defense uh, in the front seven has a gap responsibility. And it's little things like a linebacker thinking they know where the play is going and filling the wrong gap and then exposing another gap. Or it's going and filling the gap and not hitting uh, the blocker hard enough and you are allowing them to beat you through that gap. Little things like that. Um, another big issue I saw was setting the edge. Is Nebraska struggled all night to set the edge because they had those outside zone plays. And on it seemed like on plays where uh, we set the edge well, which didn't actually happen until Ben Stilley came in and played defensive end. Mm. Um, whenever we didn't set the play well, they were getting the edge on us every single time. And uh, a backside linebacker can't flow across and make a play in the backfield. It's as simple as that. And then in plays where we did set the edge, it felt like either Muhammad Barry or Will Honus wasn't in the right place for the cutback. And then it's a running back one-on-one with a safety. So... It's it's not like we got completely out physical. It's little things that they exploited on our defense. Do you think that was the more shocking side for Nebraska fans watching the game was just how much our defense got moved around as opposed to the inability of the offense? I think the most shocking thing was that the coaches, the players, the fans in the stadium, the fans at home all knew what Minnesota was going to run. And it was a zone play right at the tackle. That's what they ran every single time. Scott Frost said in the postgame press conference, he said we knew what they were going to run and we still couldn't stop it. That was the most disappointing thing. It felt like we were playing a Wisconsin or an Iowa who can run the same play against our Mike Riley defense, and they will be out more physical than us every single time, and it does not matter what we do, they will still get five yards a pop on that play. That's what felt so disappointing about that because it felt like we were relapsing back to Mike Riley, mm-hmm. where we could look at the play, we could look at the personnel, and we could go, okay, this is a zone play to the left. They'd run a zone play to the left, and they would still beat us to the edge. That That's what was so disappointing, and that's I don't think it was a physicality mm-hmm. issue. It, it was... It was smaller things. Um, I think Minnesota came with a, ga- a great game plan, and then whenever one guy gets out physic or gets uh, beat on a play, it can make a whole play for an offense. So yeah, um, especially as they were rotating that committee backfield, people mm-hmm. were fresh coming in, um, and we haven't even talked about the offensive line yet. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point, Elijah. What you just said, feeling disappointing. That was di- that was disappointing for you to be- to watch that happen again and again. I think. In terms of the two losses in the Big Ten thus far this year, for me, Ohio State versus uh, this Minnesota game, Ohio State, you know, was frustrating at the beginning of the game, but kind of gave up, started, even as a fan, felt like a sense of disappointment. For me, in this Minnesota game, I felt a sense of frustration and anger rather than disappointment, Uh, which I know I shouldn't let a football game affect me like that, but... Anger, I think, is the word I felt. I was yeah. like, this is, like, stupid. Like, coming into the game, I felt like... It's the, it's the anger because, you know, I can see what's happening. Yeah. I know where this play's going, and you still can't stop it. And it's that's it's just the, the nothing you can do leads to anger as a fan. I think the Ohio State game, I was much more exasperated, lots of size. This game, I had a lot more yelling at the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Elijah, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Um, obviously the big storyline going into the game was Martinez not playing, uh, in warmups. You could tell, I mean, he wasn't suited up at all. Everybody in the stadium knew that Martinez was not going to be playing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, it really wasn't that of a well-kept secret. I think we all knew going into the game that he was probably wasn't going to play. It's going to be federal. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like that performance 
looked for you? What 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 did that show you? Vedral running the offense. It showed me that Martinez isn't to blame for the offense's problems this year. Yep. Because Vedral came in and looked just as he looked. He had the same issues as Martinez, mm-hmm. and that's not an issue with the quarterback. That means it's an issue with not having time. It's an issue with your receivers not being able to get open, and it's an issue with whenever you hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. Even if your offensive line can get a push, the receivers can't hold their blocks. It's it's the offense looks more like an effort issue to me than the defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think the defense is an effort getting out physical issue. I think the offense is. That offensive line consistently fails to pick up a blitz. They consistently fail to get enough push up front. They consistently fail to get to second level mm-hmm. as an offensive line. And then even whenever we do uh, bust a little bit of a play, our receivers don't block well downfield. We get a down inside the 10-yard line and Kenawai Noah blocks in the back. Right. I mean, it's little, little just, things like that. And, and that's, it's, it's mentality and it's effort. I think that's what I see more in the offense, which is the effort is, or which is the problem is the effort and the mentality. The worst is whenever I see a replay and I see a Nebraska helmet picking up a Minnesota helmet, I can see the man be where he's supposed to be. I can see that that block is supposed to be happening and the defender sheds the block, makes the play. I think that's the most frustrating thing for me is knowing that the defender is there or the offensive lineman, wide receiver, whoever it is, is there to make the block and just totally blows it. Mm-hmm. And it's things I don't think we would have seen at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And that's where people expected progress this year is we expected to see the same guys come in and be able to do those things. And, and they don't. Our receivers can't block downfield. We, we miss Stanley Morgan a lot there. Our offensive lineman can't get a, a run block and get to second level, which we really miss from Gerald Foster, Tanner Farmer, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Those guys are really good at getting a double team and getting up to second level. And then, you, I mean, even issues in picking up a blitz, which things uh, I think the experience of Tanner Farmer helped with. I think the experience of Gerald Foster helped with. Those guys, they were strong pass blockers. And I, I think the issues we had with them last year were more with the people around them now that I see those guys. Um, Brendan Hymas, for having three years of experience, does not look as good as he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Farniak. Farniak looks like he's getting exposed to tackle. He looks like he'll be a lot better at guard. Um, I was half expecting to see Bryce Binhart get a starting tackle spot this year or this week uh, going into Indiana and see Farniak moved inside because I don't think Farniak looks like he is his future is not at tackle. Hmm. I, I truly don't believe that he whenever he's out at tackle, he looks like he's on an island and he's going to get beat. Yeah. Uh, then you have issues with Trent Hickson just getting bowled over by a uh, by a lineman. Um, Cam Jurgens fixed the snap issues. Hey, hey, but, hey, I called it going into the game. But he also can't make the line calls pre-play to make sure that they pick up a blitz. Right, he doesn't have the experience or the vision. He's got so many things going through his head just getting mm-hmm. the play right to be able to, to pick up those the, sorts of things. The offensive line is the main area of worry for me whenever I look at the offense. Yeah. is Because the there's no quick fixes for an offensive line. Mm-hmm. Whenever you aren't strong enough to get a push, whenever you aren't good enough to get a pass block, whenever you aren't smart enough to pick up a blitz, what can you do? New guys can't help that. It's all it's all on the guys that are in there right now, and I don't see that changing soon. Yeah. Um, I think it was pretty fascinating seeing Vedral out there. Top rusher of the game, so that's Not great. what you want. But. <laughs> um, but I think I really felt like a lack of a spark there, like I would have felt when Martinez is in. I think that's the thing that people um, just forget about whenever they criticize and scrutinize Adrian Martinez is just that lack of, of making a big play happen, making a chunk play happen. I, I don't want to hear somebody 
get down on Adrian Martinez again this year. When you, when you see what he has to work with on the, in that offense. Right. And what it looked like without him. And what it looked, yeah. yeah. Is this is not an Adrian Martinez issue. This is not a Scott Frost play calling issue. This is an execution offensive line and wide receivers issue. Even the running backs, I don't think they're they're perfectly exempt either. With how Maurice has played the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and now he's not playing, mm-hmm. and with how Dedrick Mills has struggled to really find a hole, his his vision's lacking. Um, those are the issues that I'm seeing with the offense right now, and mm-hmm. you can't pin it all on a quarterback whenever he doesn't have anybody to work with. Right. Which, again, segues as well into yeah. what we expect for the rest of the year, and that's that. I think it's time for the young guys to get in there and start playing, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we look at. Issues going into this week against Indiana, depth chart wise. Uh, maybe we don't know if Wandale is going to be playing. Maybe we don't know if Adrian's going to be playing. We know Maurice isn't going to be Maurice playing. Maurice Washington will not be playing. Um, so, how many of those y- young guys um, are we going to be playing? And how many of them are we willing to burn a red shirt the rest of the season? Or how many of them are even close to, to finishing out those four games of eligibility with keeping the red shirt. So let's talk about that. Um, so Ramir Johnson, he has, he's appeared in three, three games. games. So he's got one game left before burning the red shirt. I think Ramir, I think they're going to let the red shirt go. I really do. And what I really think about these red shirts is you need to trust your recruiting. If you know that it's better for this guy to get experience, now trust your recruiting that this guy will be here for four years, and in four years you can have another guy who can come fill in for him. Mm. That's what I think. Offensive line, um, quarterbacks, okay. Mm-hmm. I can understand trying to keep a redshirt for a guy because with an offensive lineman, you want him to get more physical. Yeah. With a quarterback, you want him to get as much time in the, in the system as possible. With a wide receiver, with a running back, who cares? Like you're you're gonna there's we're recruiting more talent. And there's more there's in the more, water. more there's more fish in the sea. There's more fish in the sea. And if you think that the best chance to win a game is with these guys and that they're ready to get their experience now, mm-hmm. yeah, screw a red shirt. But there there are exceptions on the team. Um, Bryce Benhart, I think, is vital to keep his red shirt. Yeah. Um, bulk he, him up keep the keep he's the, got it so tall and has such a frame that he can build on i think you want as much time to build in that frame as possible a yeah. guy like uh jakeem green who came in uh not 100 percent d1 uh conditioned mm-hmm. uh whenever he came in right before fall camp or mm-hmm. i guess during fall camp he's a guy you want to keep his red shirt because he only has two years of eligibility he came from a juco which means if you can use that red shirt now you still get uh more time with him and he's probably the most ready for a starting spot next year, assuming you can keep the red shirt now and you get two years out of him. But, but as soon as there is, uh, as soon as the Wisconsin game hits, I think watch out for Green getting in there. I think they're going to play in the last four games. That's my prediction. I would expect to see. I mean, Jakeem Green's seen one game so far. Has he been in one game? Yes, oh, he's he saw has. Ohio State. Okay. I expect to see him against Wisconsin again. Um, especially if we need guys rotating through the D line. Uh, if it's, if they're up 14 points in the second half, expect to see some of him. I expect to see him against Iowa. I don't expect to see him against a team like Indiana, a team like Maryland. I think we want to make sure that he's ready for the big time next mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we want to get him experience against the best of the best. So maybe play him in Purdue to warm him up, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, uh, skip Maryland, and then Iowa at the end of the season, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I, I was saying, I think but I, generally speaking, mm, yeah, it, it's if you burn a red shirt, it's not the end of the world because you need to trust your you're, you're Scott Frost. Yeah. If you can't get recruits here who are talented enough to be able to play in four years and that that one extra year from this guy is going to be so valuable. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Guys can declare after their junior year to go to the draft anyway. 
uh, that that one extra year is not going to be the biggest deal in the world. I, I want to see guys play. I want to see guys who care about Nebraska. Uh, I don't want a performance like Minnesota again. And if the starters are going to come out and play like that again, I don't care if we're sacrificing ability. I want to see guys who care. Garrett Nelson came in against Minnesota and he cared. He's gonna he's gonna have his. He's already played in four games, has he not? Yes. Yep. He's gonna. Uh, if, yeah, he's burned his red shirt already, and I'm cool with that. I think Garrett Nelson is a guy who cares, and he's the exact type of guy I want to see from a freshman coming in and playing. The guy who cares about Nebraska, the guy who plays like a true Nebraska player, hmm. not some of those guys in the field who it's the second quarter, they're running the exact same play every single time, mm-hmm. uh, and you can't figure out how to stop it. I don't care if you're playing your uh, with your hair on fire if you can't figure out how to stop it. Garrett Nelson came in and could set an edge. Yeah. He, he lacks in other areas, but he come in and he could, he could set an edge and he could play aggressively. So I think another position for that to happen in is the wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. Dude, for I sure. don't care who it is. Get somebody out there who's going to get up and, and make a play, you know? Um, get somebody out there who's going to hold a block downfield. Yep. Somebody who cares enough that whenever it's a 10-yard pickup, they are going to keep their block and make it a 20-yard pickup. A guy who isn't going to make the dumb penalty to block in the back. Hmm. Anyone. I don't care if they're not fast. A guy like Cade Warner. A guy like Cade Warner is not going to burn you with his speed. Uh, he has solid route running. He has solid hands. He's not He's exceptional got anywhere. He's got a feel yes. for the game. But he out-efforts you. Mm-hmm. Cade Warner's a guy I consistently, consistently see blocking down the field. He's a guy I consistently see running the route to the fullest of his ability, no matter if the play is going his Can way or not. Can he still get retro Uh He's only played in two games this year. So, yeah, I believe so. Uh, I don't know... Has he already used his red shirt, though? Oh. I guess I can't remember. Ye- yes. Is he technically a junior? I guess I don't know, but... It's not important. Uh, <coughs> really not that important, because it, it's it's saying mm. the same thing about my argument, is you don't need to yeah. save a red shirt for a guy yeah. who, whenever you can trust your recruiting enough to, to know that there's going to be more talent coming in. Yeah. Here's the real question, is when it gets into the position of a game where you feel like that player coming in does not bring that much to the table. So, or like maybe where you're at in the game, burning a red shirt, if they're not going to change the dynamic of the game, do you bring them in? I think that's where the coaching staff's at. Like in a game where we play Mills and whenever he needs a break, we put in Missouri. Does the game hinge on putting Ramir Johnson in? That's the kind of position I think that the coaching staff, that's the kind of debate they're going to be having. Well, I think they need to look at it and go, is this is this experience for a player going to help our team next year? Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, from an experience point of view, rather than maybe a game changer. Does putting young guys in uh, whenever you're getting blown out in the second half help you in that game? No, and I, no. I, that, that's yeah. not the point. The point is that you're you're coming in and you're helping your team later down the road. In a high school game, whenever you're up 40 points and you put the JV guys in, it's so that you're better next year and they can get some experience against some better talent. And that's what you want these young guys to do. Is That's what four games is supposed to do. Is No, it's not going to give them the same experience as a year of starting, but it's going to give them experience going up against guys who are at another school who aren't the same guys you see every single day. You know, mm-hmm. you got to go up against as Jakeem green gets to go in and play against a guard that he doesn't go up against every single day. And he doesn't know the tendencies of, and he gets to know, hmm, this is what an offensive lineman at Ohio state plays. Like this is what an offensive lineman at Wisconsin plays like, and I need to train myself to be ready for these guys next year. And that's why I, I don't care about the red shirt burning. Cause sometimes you got to throw some, a guy into the fire and see how they're going to react. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Even think back to Tanner Lee, where you look at Tanner Lee in practice and he's an all future all pro, and you put him in a game and he can't throw a ball to save his soul. Or the on the other hand, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow apparently was not a good quarterback in practice, but he had so much 
heart that when you put him in to an actual football game, it, it was Tebow mania. It's Tebow time, baby. He'd come in and he would go lead a comeback because he cared more than anybody else in the field. And I want to see what guys for Nebraska have that. Well, maybe, maybe they're not the most technically gifted player whenever you put him in in practice, but whenever you put him in a game, maybe they can do something special. So that brings up the question, what will the rest of the season hold for the Huskers? And to hear that, you're going to have to just turn in to our next episode mm-hmm. as we preview the rest of the season and the Indiana game. Can we play Dr. Dre here? The next... This is the outro. Tune in next time, guys. Enjoy this song. Uh, Indiana preview. We get into a little more of the season as well. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not Nebraska is bowl eligible in the season. You're not going to want to miss it. Indiana preview posted sometime soon. Yeah, we will see you on the next Tesker Half Hour. Until then, adios. Burn this shit up. DP, JC, my nigga, turn that shit up. CPT. <laughs>